The closer, there you go. Yeah. So I, I'm happy to be at church today. Yeah. I, I'm not happy. I, I'm not happy I had to follow Aaliyah. So, so if you can tone it down next service, like not be so awesome. Yeah, because it's not good to follow somebody that's really good. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so I don't know how many of you know this, but there's a formula to all of this, to this message thing. There's a formula to it. And I don't want to reveal any secrets, but I'm going to reveal some secrets. And you can use this. You can use this at school or at work or talking to your kids or, or whatever. There's a formula to it. And here it is. It's really easy. You tell people what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them what you have to tell them, and then you tell them what you just told them. That's it. I know you're totally unaware of this, because you just get up here and go, but this is how most other people do it. You're just awesome. Yeah, you're just awesome. I don't know how you do it, but everybody else does it this way. They tell people what they're going to tell them, then they tell them, and then they tell them what they just told them. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you what I'm about to tell you, and I'm going to tell you what i got to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. Except I'm going to throw in a little added piece to it. I'm going to tell you first what I was going to tell you. Okay. Got it? So I'm going to tell you what I was going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I actually want to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. Got it? Okay, so this is what I was going to tell you. Okay, so don't take this too seriously, because I'm not really saying this. I was just going to say this. And this is a good technique. If you ever want to tell somebody but don't really want to tell them, just say, I was going to tell you you were kind of a jerk, but I'm not really telling you that. I was just going to tell you that. Okay, so this is what I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you that I think our, our senior pastor has been misleading us a little bit. I'm not really saying that. I was just going to tell you that. Okay, and, and I think he, I was going to tell you he's been misleading us in two areas. And, and the first area is this. It's in this whole Mariners thing. No, no, listen, I, I've been a hometown boy for, yeah, I've been a hometown boy for a long time. I've been a Mariners fan since the beginning. Back in the kingdom. Yeah, I spent many a night in the kingdom. This is Randy Johnson actually waving to me uh, and, and, a whole, and everybody else, but that's neither here nor there. He's waving to me because I was there that night, so he's waving to me. So I, I've been there many a night, okay? I've been through the years. And every year, what does somebody say? They say, this is the year. This, this is the year. Yes. Every year. And, every year, and, and in the beginning, you kind of believe it. You kind of hope for it, right? Like maybe, maybe it is the year. Maybe they are going to make it to the World Series. And you believe it. And then you get disappointed. But they say next year, this is the year. So, so I kind of got to this point in my life where now when somebody says, this is the year, I roll my eyes and I look at somebody and I say, ain't never going to happen. Ain't ne- I don't mean not this year. I mean it ain't never going to happen. Because I've been through the years. I've been in the games when you know they're up four to nothing and then the other team scores five runs. Just go home. <laughs> really, let's, let's just beat the crowds because they, they ain't coming back. It ain't never going to happen. And this year I'm thinking, who's going to be the first to say it this year? He stood right here. <laughs> I was right over there sitting with my wife. And he says, this is the year. Amen. And I roll my eyes, and I look at Monica, and I say, ain't never going to happen. <laughs> but last night, I went to the game. 
They look good. No, I'm, I'm serious. They look good. And I kept thinking to myself, is this where they blow it? But they didn't. They kept coming back. Yeah. Like the other team would score three runs, and I'm thinking, well, this is it. And then they'd come in and they'd score two, and I'd go, they're back on top. How, this, I mean, this. I know. This, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I'm not going to say this is the year, but I am going to back off of ain't never going to happen. Okay, I'm backing off of that, okay? So I want to ask for your forgiveness. Here, I got you a Mariner's magazine. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. So, so, and you can keep it because next service I got you a whole nother something for you. Yeah, 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 I was there, yeah, yeah. So, this, this is the year, right? Yeah, this is the year, yeah. So that's the first thing I was going to tell you, okay. But I, I'm, yeah. So, so what I was also going to tell you was, I think he's been misleading us on this whole first Thessalonian thing. Like, this is the, this is the week I finish it. Ain't never going to happen. So if, if you're new with us or you're a visitor, we have been on a three-year journey through the book of First Thessalonians. And it's been awesome. It really has. But, but like in this last year, it's kind of been like, this is the week I finish it. And at first I believed him. And then he'd only like squeeze out like a couple of words. And then now he says, this is the week I finish. And I go, look at my wife. This ain't never going to happen. This ain't never going to happen. And I keep thinking to myself, how hard can this be? Seriously. I mean, I said, if, if I was up there, I'd get up there and say, and all God's children said, amen. Close the book. We're done. We're out. Right? That's how I would have done it. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was going to tell you. So then he asked me to close it out. And I think, I got this. Right? So I got my section of verses, and then last week he emails me and goes, oh, by the way, I didn't finish this one either, so if you could tack that on to the end of it. Uh, so, so then I read that first verse, and I go to, this is really good. This, no, I mean, it's two words, this verse, and I'm thinking, I could do a whole weekend on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I take it all back. So I'm sorry. And I got nothing from First uh, Thessalonians to give you, but... I apologize, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a shekel or something to like hand you. Yeah, I got nothing but, but, um, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna close it out. I am. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the week. This is the week. Yeah, that it happens. Yeah. This is the week. And not only am I gonna close it out, I'm gonna give you a summary of the whole book. Yeah, yeah, wait, the wave is starting already, yeah, 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 there, there we go, no, there we go, yeah, the wave, look at the wave, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to close it all out, I'm going to summarize the whole book, and I'm going to close it out, there we go, there we go, there we go, there we go, back, and back, yeah, <laughs> they'll never believe in second service that the wave actually, they're, they're never going to believe it, yep, all right, so are you ready? All right, are you ready? Okay, so let's pray and then let's close this puppy out. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your truth, Father God. Uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, it's always new, Lord. It's always fresh, Lord. It's always alive, Lord. And we just ask that you would open up your word to us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All righty. So let me give you the preamble to it, the whatever the word is, the, the before he wrote the letter part of it. So before he wrote the letter, Paul went on a couple of mission trips, right? 
He went on one, and then he went on this second mission trip. And this is his second mission trip right here. And you might remember this slide from about, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, this was one of the things Pastor Dan covered. So if you start over here on this side right here, he's over in what's now Turkey. He starts there. He goes up that way with Silas. He cuts across Europe. He stops at Lystra right there in the middle. You see Lystra? And he picks up Timothy. And then they keep going all the way up into Troas, up there in the upper left-hand corner right there. Okay, and now it's in Troas that an amazing thing happens. Paul gets this vision. And this is in Acts. Uh, actually, stay right there. He's in Troas, and then he's going to cross over to Philippi, and then come down to Thessalonica, and then come down and finish all the way over here. Okay, I just want to point that out because I'm going to leave the slide. But it's up there in Troas that he gets this vision. Okay, and this is in, uh, this is in Acts 16.9, and this is what it says. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul leaves there, crosses over, and ends up in Philippi. And it's in Philippi that things go good and bad. Okay, it goes really good because he convinces a lot of people about Jesus Christ. He makes his message clear. It goes bad because he gets beaten and, 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 and stoned and thrown into jail. Okay? Sounds horrific to us, but probably a day in the life of Paul, right? You know, what happened today at work, honey? Eh, you know. <laughs> but even in jail, the amazing thing is, Paul remains faithful, even in jail. And this is great because we were singing about worshiping and praising God. This is what it said. It says, now toward midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. So think about that. He's in jail. He's just been beaten. He's just been stoned. He's been dragged. He's thrown into jail. He's been shackled. What's he doing? What are you going to do? Paul sings praises. So they were singing praises to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and all the chains were loosed. And Paul goes on to, to convert the jailer and his household. Read about it. It's a great story. But think about that. There he is in the midst, doing God's work, and God brings him out of it through his praises. So from there, they go on to Thessalonica, or Thessalonica. I don't know how you say it. All I know is there's a whole bunch of Thessalonians there. Okay, that's all I know. So it was a coastal town. It's on a major Roman road. You ready for this? Via Ignatia. Say that. Via Ignatia. It means the way of the nations. It's a major trade route. It's also a relief picture for the mariners. Via Ignatia. It's going to come in and save it. Okay, and it's running, uh, it goes to and back from Rome and back from there. It's a major trade route, and there's a lot of different cultures, a lot of different beliefs coming into that city, a lot of different religions, and what happens when that happens? These religions start to blend together. Happens all the time. There's a building by where I work. In fact, our company bought the building. It was a church, air quotes, it was a church. That's just what I think. It was a church, um, and I have to go in there now to do some work because we're converting it, and they're still using the church. Um, 
This is their Easter pamphlet. I thought this was really interesting when they showed this. Do we have that? We don't have that. We don't have it. Okay. Um, They had an Easter pamphlet, so I thought to myself, well, this will be interesting. I wonder what they believe. Okay. I wonder what their Easter's like. I mean, they're celebrating Easter. I think this will be really interesting. So overall, their church believes that there are many ways to the divine. They call him the divine, or I don't know if it's even a hymn. The divine. There's many ways to the divine. Um, And their pamphlet said, come celebrate with us and explore the power of biblical myths. The power of biblical myths. In other words, there's a really good story here. And there's some power in it, but it's not really true. So believe what you want to believe. So that's kind of the way I picture Thessalonica. I think all these religions came together, and people just believed whatever they wanted to believe. Whatever fit into their, their realm of reality, they just accepted as good. Okay? Uh, and, I, and I think that's, that's kind of the way this was. Um, so, so Thessalonica is a big city. It's about 200,000 people or so, 250,000. So if you want to think of Tacoma, which is a good equivalent to that, but take all the people in Tacoma and move them like downtown into the port area. If you think about that, that's kind of what this city looked like. Major trade route, a port route, etc. That's what it was like. Um, so Paul stays there for about three weeks. He speaks in the synagogue once each week. And after that, he stays a little bit longer and many people believe. But there's also a lot of opposition. Maybe you're familiar with that. You try to step out and do something for God. You try to step out and do something that you believe is right, but you feel a lot of opposition coming back at you. Paul felt the same thing. In fact, he said this when he wrote to the the Corinthians. He said, there's real opportunity here for great and worthwhile work, even though there are many opponents. Same thing going on with him. So Paul gets some opposition. Why? Because he says Jesus is the king. So some Jews, interestingly enough, say, well, if Jesus is the king, what about Caesar? And they don't just say it. They come after him. So Paul has to flee. So he goes from there, and he moves on down to, uh, to Corinth. And he, it's from there that he actually writes his letter. And then he finishes up his journey completely. And his whole journey, that whole big map that I showed you, is 3,000 miles Imagine taking, with transportation of that day, a 3,000-mile journey to tell people about God. Walk out these doors after church. Start walking to Washington, D.C. When you get there, you're still 300 miles short, but I'll probably give you a good idea. That's how long he went on this whole journey to tell people about Jesus. So some people believe that this letter that he wrote was actually the first letter that he ever wrote. So of all that Paul wrote in the Bible, a lot of people believe this is the very first letter. And he starts off this letter like he starts off a lot of letters. He starts off with grace. Why do you think he does that? I don't know for sure, but I'll tell you what I think. I think Paul remembers all the grace that God gave him. And that always kind of sticks with me. 
Because every time I want to come down hard on somebody, and yeah, I'm thinking kids here, every time I want to come down hard on somebody, I'm thinking, who was graceful to you when you were that age? Where were you when you were that age? And who showed you grace and mercy? And I think Paul wants to send the same message. He wants to say, before we start anything, grace. Let me give you some grace. And I think that's a great lesson for me anyway. Maybe it's a great reminder for you too. But here's what Paul writes. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. It's a greeting from Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, but really it's a letter from Paul, and we can see that in the compassion and in the way that he writes. The first book of Thessalonians begins with how they came to faith and how it changed their lives and the lives of others. Even though it hasn't all been smooth sailing for them, they've had a lot of opposition. They kept having the faith, and with that faith, they inspired so many other communities that heard about it throughout the area. And more than 10 times throughout this letter, Paul reminds them of what he already told them. It's just like the presentation. He told them what he was going to tell them, and then he told them again what he had to tell them. And now he's reminding them of what he already told them. Paul reminds them that they are chosen by God and that they have the Holy Spirit. How many of us need to be reminded of that today? You've been chosen by God, and you have the Holy Spirit. Aaliyah said that so well. She's been chosen by God. She has the Holy Spirit, and God has a plan and a purpose for her. And she does for you, too. Now, people kept telling Paul everywhere how awesome the Thessalonians were. They used to worship idols, but they've turned away from all that, and now they worship God and his only son. They're anxiously waiting for Jesus to come back and, and rescue all the faithful. In chapter 2, Paul explains how they were treated bad in Philippi, but they kept on going. I don't know if I could do that. You beat me a few times and throw me in jail. I'm pretty much done. <laughs> I'm moving on. But Paul doesn't. Paul keeps going. Paul keeps going. And he brings them this message of hope and peace. Whether you're in ministry or not, sometimes it's hard to just keep going. Sometimes you've got to just keep going with your family. Sometimes you've got to just keep going with your coworkers. Sometimes you've just got to keep going. You're chosen by God. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. Keep going. It's not easy. It's exhausting sometimes. Keep going. And if you're in ministry, it's even harder. Keep going. And Paul didn't ask of anything from anybody. He got a side job. He took care of himself. He, takes, he doesn't ask anything for anybody. And he commends the Thessalonians for all their faithfulness. He says, I thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which performs power, which performs its work in you who believe. It's power. It's not just a word. I, I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I read it out loud. Because I not only want to see it and understand it, I want to hear it, even if it's from me. I want to hear the power of the word of God. It's not a chant. I'm not doing it for any reason like that. 
I'm just doing it because I want to hear it and see it at the same time. God's Word is powerful. And I told somebody this once, and they, they kind of cursed me for it to this day, but, you know, even all those hard names in the Old Testament, you know, the ones we kind of scan over and don't really want to say or read, right? All right, right. No, I stop and I make sure I try to pronounce them as best I can. And to this day, she says, darn it, Pete, I keep having to read those names now. Because there's power in that. You, you think there's no power in those names? There's power in those names. There's power in God's word, every single word. Why do you think this study has taken us eight years? It's because of this. Yes, it's true. So in chapter 3, Paul can't take it anymore, so he sends Timothy. And with that, I see another lesson in my life. Have you ever prayed for something that you thought was so godly and so holy and so good? And why isn't God answering this? And we pray and pray and pray, and we think God's saying no, or we think God's saying not now, or we think God's saying ain't never going to happen. That's what we think. Because it's good, right? Paul's got to be thinking that. I was there. I taught them. They got it. A church was built. People are believing and staying faithful. Send me back. I can build it up even bigger. God says, no, I got a bigger plan than that. And maybe that's you. So whatever you're praying for, part of praying is trust in God. I got a plan. You may not see it now, but I got a plan. And I, and I love this. This is from the Living Bible Translation, but this is, this is perfectly here. This plan of mine is not what you would work out, says God. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Your plan, however well conceived, is not my plan, says God. I've got a bigger plan. How many of us needed to hear that this morning? Paul is faithful and Timothy goes and Timothy comes back with a great report. The Thessalonians are remaining strong and they're faithful. And then in chapter 4 to 6, Paul highlights love and hope and he encourages the church to walk this out, to excel even more. He said, I know you love each other, but keep going. Love each other even more than that. Sounds like Pastor Dan, doesn't it? Keep going. Love each other more. And he talks about the return, the day of the Lord. Paul teaches the church that the resurrection, the last day, Christ will come back and with that rescue all the faithful, even those that have passed. He'll rescue them and pull them up. Paul knows he doesn't have to tell the Thessalonians, and he's going to do it anyway, but that they should love each other. He said they're pretty awesome at it already, but they should keep doing, keep better. Love is important when it comes to non-Christians too. Show non-Christians love, respect, keep a low profile so they have nothing to complain about you. And, and that's great coming from Paul who was awful at that, right? He told him to keep a low profile. He's the last guy in the world who should say keep a low profile, right? Because he keeps ending up in jail. And lastly, Paul tells all the Thessalonians how Jesus died and came back to life. So he wants to make sure everybody knows that and knows that Jesus is coming back again. And when that day comes, Christians are going to be wide awake and ready for that. For God has not chosen to pour out his anger upon us, but to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we can live with him forever, whether we are dead or alive at the time of his return. So encourage one another Build each other up just as you are already doing. And all of that 
has been our 10-year study of Thessalonians. That's it, in a nutshell. There it is, so far. And you didn't think I could do it. But I did it, I did it. You said ain't never going to happen, but I did it. So here we are, and now, just like the Mariners are going to go to the World Series, and now I'm going to wrap up the book of 1 Thessalonians. So Paul concludes his letter with just a few more things, and these are on your handout. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And that's where it stopped me, and I thought I could do two weeks on this. Rejoice always. Because I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, rejoice always. Yeah, right. You don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah, right. I'll rejoice when I win the lottery. Then I'll rejoice. Yeah, when I get what I want, then I'll rejoice always. But this is not a suggestion. These aren't options that you get to pick from. This is the command of God. God is telling us to rejoice always. Always in all things. Remember who he's writing to here. He's writing to a church that is being persecuted. He's not writing to a church like this, where we get to come in every Sunday whether we feel like it or not, and we don't have to worry about anybody knowing about it, and we can praise God all we want. He's writing to a church that's getting persecuted, and he's telling them to rejoice always. Rejoice in what you have. Rejoice always. I was reading this week about, about the woman whose son was going to be taken from her. Her two sons were going to be taken from her to pay off her debts because she didn't have enough money to pay for it. And she went to Elisha, and Elisha said, what do you have? And she said, nothing. I remember the disciples, when Jesus said, feed the 5,000, he says, what do you have? And they said, nothing. That's what we think. We got nothing. But both of those people, both the disciples and the old woman, followed the word nothing with the word except. I got nothing, well, except a little bit of oil. I got nothing except a couple fish and some bread. What do you have? Rejoice in that. How much money? You need money? How much money do you have? Nothing. No, what do you really have? 48 cents and some lint. 48 cents. What do you have? See, the trouble is we don't think God can do anything with 48 cents. Oh, no, we don't really believe it because in our minds, 48 cents doesn't go very far. But remember who you're talking to. You're talking to the creator of the universe. 48 cents. God can do a lot with 48 cents. You don't believe me? Try him. And I can tell you that from experience. You were talking about how tough it is to put money in the collection plate. I remember the first day I did it. I remember saying to God out loud, I sure hope you know what you're doing. Because I can't afford to give you this. Because I got nothing. That's what I thought. And I watched the check go. I watched it. It was handed down the aisle. I hope you know what you're doing, God. And he did. He did. And if you want to hear that story, I'll share it with you. I'd love to share that story with you. But man, you think you got nothing? You got something. And if you don't have 48 cents, I got 48 cents for you. No, seriously. And when you got your 48 cents, take it to somebody and say, let's pray over this. I want to give this to God. I want God to work with this 48 cents. 
Rejoice in that. What do you have? Rejoice in that. Rejoice. And by the way, man, this is not a good verse to use against your wives. Don't pull this one out of your back pocket when your wife's having a bad day. It will not go well for you. Okay. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Okay. And if you do decide to pull it out, will you, like, record that for me? Because I would love to see the aftermath of that one. No, rejoice. That's for you. Okay. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. The Bible teaches us that there's power in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Here's one from Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, rejoicing. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or all understanding, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's not a lifeline. Pray all the time. Be ready to pray all the time. Pray, 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 pray. Be open to that. Look at people. Keep your eyes open to people. You see a homeless person, pray for them. I work for a hospital, and I'm not normally in the hospital. I'm in a building, but I was in the hospital yesterday, Friday, and I was walking through there. And in two separate places, I see two women just distraught, just crying, just like on the phone, just like the world is coming to an end. Pray for those people. Just pray for people all the time, all the time. And I heard this, and I don't know where I heard it, but I love it. I don't even know who said it because it's part of a bunch of quotes from a bunch of different speakers, but it's so great. This guy says, pray big. Pray big. Pray so big, he said, that God slides forward on his chair, forward on his throne from heaven, and leans close to hear what you're praying. And then when he hears it, he looks at the angels and says, did you hear what he just prayed for? Did you hear what our sister just asked for? Finally, somebody's getting it. Finally, somebody understands who I am. Pray big. Pray beyond the comprehension of your mind. Don't pray for something to get fixed. Pray for something new. Pray. Why do we pray for the minimum? God, if you could just fix this for me. No, I don't fix it. Give me a brand new one. I'm a child of God. So are you. Pray big. If God has a better idea, he'll let you know. Pray big. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Are you at the point where you don't know what to pray for anymore? Give thanks. Go for a walk. Thank God for everything. I've done that before. Thank you for that leaf, Lord. Thank you for that rock. Thank you for these roads. Thank you for my house, Lord. Thank you I have a place to sleep tonight. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for our fire department. Thank you, Lord, for our police. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Take it off of you. Thank God for everything else. Thank you, God. Give thanks in everything. Do that. Spend a half an hour doing that. Your whole world will change. Because that's what God says to do. Give thanks for everything. That's what Paul's telling his church to do. No matter what happens, he says, give thanks. Verse 19, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, just to be clear, you and I cannot stop God from working. We don't have the ability to stop God. Okay? 
That's not what this verse means. This is what it says in Isaiah 14. This is my plan for the whole earth. I will do it by mighty power that reaches everywhere around the world. The Lord, the God of battle, I love that because we were talking about praise being a battle. The God of battle has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand moves, who can stop him? You and I cannot quench the Holy Spirit, but we can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in the decisions we make for our own lives. We can quench the Holy Spirit by neglecting the gifts that he's given us. We can quench the Holy Spirit by shutting down our emotions when God calls us to be joyful and give a joyful response. We can quench the work of the Spirit by not being worshipful, worshipful, by not being willing to cast our cares upon him. We can quench the work of the Spirit by operating on our own fleshly power and saying, I can do it myself. We're not allowing God to work in our own lives. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Don't dismiss, don't reject out of hand people that come up to you with a prophetic word. But examine it carefully. Ask for confirmation. The enemy is really good about uh, about uh, deception and about lies and about misleading people. He's very deceptive about interpreting God's word. Examine it carefully. Ask for confirmation. Hold fast to that which is good. Can I just tell you that it's okay to have good in your life? It's okay to have good. I meet so many people that kind of like are surprised by it and kind of go, like, why is that here? Accept it. It's okay to accept good in your life. You're a child of God. Let him give you good things. Don't reject it. Hold on to it. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this is here. I don't know how that that took place, but thank you, Jesus. Can't you just accept it? It's okay. Maybe your life before that has been so bad you can't, like, grasp that concept. But God loves you, and he has something good for you. Accept it. Ask him for it. I want the good things in my life. I don't want my life to be chaotic and out of order. I want good. And I'm going to seek God till I get that. And I'm not talking about things necessarily, but it could be a thing. Accept the good. Accept the good. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the, be- at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now with the word now, Paul's essentially telling us, I'm wrapping this up. I'm wrapping this letter up. And Paul presents God as a God of peace. Think about that for a second. God is a God who puts everything in order. God is not chaotic. If there's there's not peace and order in your life, seek more of God. Because God is peace and order. And we need that in our lives. When your life's chaotic and out of order, turn back to God. Just keep seeking God. You may not understand why it's that way or whatever, but just keep seeking God. 
Turn back to God. He will put everything in order. And only God can give us peace to our soul. Only God can give us peace in those situations that seem out of control. We can walk through it in peace. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Have faith. God's not done with you. Not done with any of us. I don't care where you are on the journey. God is not done with you. He's still working. And what he says, he will bring to pass. He's faithful. He's faithful. If you read a verse in your Bible today, and tomorrow wake up and open the Bible, I want you to know without a doubt, that verse has not changed. It's still there. You may not feel like it. You may not understand it. But the verse is still there. God doesn't change. He's the God of peace. Brethren, pray for us. Paul asked the church, the Thessalonian church, to pray for him. We need to pray for our pastors. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our volunteers. Pray for them. We need to pray for our church council. Pray for them. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. So Paul tells the church four times, the Romans, the Corinthians, the Thessalonians, to greet each other with a holy kiss. And Peter says the same thing, to, to, to greet each other with a kiss of love. Paul is writing to a persecuted church, and he's trying to encourage them how to live in a large city of unbelievers who are being very hostile to them. And he's working to help them show heartfelt affection to one another. So Paul tells them, have a unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Be warm and tender and gentle and kind to each other. Love each other. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Love each other, church. And then I bring you to the final verse of 1 Thessalonians. Yes, the 12 years is over. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So to you, the Thessalonian church, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And to you, LifeSpring Church, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul ends his letter as he begins it. And let me call the worship team up back now as I close with this. Paul ends his letter as he begins it with the grace of God. Paul begins many of his letters with this phrase, grace and peace to you from God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God shows us both, both mercy and grace, but they're not the same. Mercy withholds a punishment that we deserve, and grace gives us a blessing we've never deserved. So in mercy, God chose to cancel our sin debt by sacrificing his perfect son in our place, but he goes even further than that with grace grace to his enemies. He offers us forgiveness, reconciliation, abundant life, eternal treasure, and his Holy Spirit when we accept his offer and place our faith in him. Hanging on the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. Grace. If you'd like prayer after service, I would love to pray with you. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. 
Thank you, Father God, that you show us grace when we don't deserve any grace, Father God. You show us love, Father God, uh, a love that we can't even comprehend, Father God. Father God, help us to, to cling to you. Help us to turn to you, Father God. Help us to seek you with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our soul, Father God. And thank you, Lord, that no matter where we've been or where we go or whatever we do, Father God, you're always willing to take us back, always willing to hold us close, always willing to say, come back, my son, come back, my daughter. So we just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.